We're back. Reading the Room is back for 2021. Ugh. 2020 was chaotic, to say the least, and I wanted to do something in the new year to bring joy and inspiration and knowledge. So my first guest straight out the gate is James Martinez. He was recently elected to the Fresno County Board of Education and is the first openly gay man to be elected to any official position in Fresno County, which blows my mind. But yay, I can't wait for you guys to hear a story. It is beautiful and tugs at your heartstrings and is at times sad, but his journey is so inspirational. I really hope you guys get something from it. Let's get started. How are you? Good. Uh, just on pins and needles with this with the Senate races in Georgia. I keep flipping back and forth. I'm like, ah. I know, right? I didn't even think about it until a little while ago. While I was making dinner. I was like, oh shit, the Senate, like these are happening right now, mm-hmm. which probably just gives you PTSD. About- <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Actually, I was talking about that with a friend the other day, and I'm like, you know, as, as much as I miss you know, working in the Senate and as much of an honor and an opportunity as it is, as it was, I'm like, I am glad I am not there during this time because those phones would just be I can't unimaginable. And the, and the people, I mean, granted, you get your, you get some really good ones, but uh, the Republicans that just call from all across the country who are just... I can't yeah, imagine. I can't imagine the <laughs> amount of hate calls you get. The yes. amount of just completely out of left field. Like I saved a couple of voice messages that one day I want to, you know, broadcast. <laughs> people are just like this is what <laughs> this is what we went through. I can imagine, especially now with everything being so polarizing and so divisive. I can't, and so pe- so many people so uninformed yet so angry. Like. I, I could not even fathom what that's I like. People were more informed instead of just going based off of the raw, unrefined emotion. Uh, yeah. A bit yeah. more deliberative, objective approach. But uh, obviously in this day and age, that doesn't happen very often. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of, most people think they are informed, but they are informed from sources that are completely false or over-exaggerated and... Amen. People, people are going to believe whatever makes them feel, whatever helps them sleep at night. Yeah, and most voters, you know, on a particular side, uh, tend to outsource their <laughs> their minds and opinions, uh, and let others make it up for them, and, and that's regrettable. That so. is true. Which I think is really interesting because, especially now, you see so many of those people being like wake up to the things that are happening on the other side when it's like you are completely asleep to what's going on with your oh. own leaders and so willing to overlook <laughs> yeah uh okay let's get started um uh we'll just jump right into it hey guys this is james martinez james who are you what is it you do <laughs> What do you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. First, let's start off. The main reason I called you. An open book. By the way, thank you for having me. Uh, oh, this, this yeah. I, 
I've known you for a while. Um, watching you run a race is super fun. It's fun knowing somebody and watching them run a campaign. Like it's, it's it was probably the second hardest thing I've ever done, and those twelve weeks felt a lot longer. <laughs> oh, I cannot imagine. What? Okay, first of all, for people listening, what is it you ran for? What is it you actually did get elected for? So I was a candidate in the last election on November third for the Fresno County Board of Education. So I am now the new trustee for that area, uh, and that area overlaps the same districts that, or the same district that the Board of Supervisors uh, have, and so. Okay represent the same area on the Board of Ed that uh, South Quintero represents on the Fresno County Board of Supervisors. Oh, that's great. So it's a very, I mean, it's a very, it's not as large as the other districts that are, mm-hmm. uh, that are within the county, but it is a very dense, urban, highly populated district. What area, what section of the county is your district? So it goes from Ashland to Clinton, all the way down to American. Uh, runs from north to south, and then it runs along the 99 for its um, western border. Okay, so it's a decent size. Yeah, so uh, the high schools that I that my area covers is uh, McLean, Fresno High, my alma mater, nice. uh, Roosevelt, and Sunnyside. Oh, which are all really good schools, and all have a really diverse demographic, right? Yes, it's a very eclectic district. I mean, you have, you know, the Fresno High Tower area that is, you know, a mix of affluence and middle class, uh, you know, residents. And then, you know, you go further south and, you know, you have Huntington Boulevard and then you have, you know, some other areas that could use a little more love. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Uh, How was the election race for you were you running against anyone uh-huh. yes i ran against three other people including an incumbent but he was an appointed incumbent and so uh oh wait what does that mean exactly so uh nelson esparza who had the seat previously uh was elected to the fresno city council to represent seven and the board has authority and jurisdiction to uh, replace him. And so the guy that I ran against was the appointed member that took his place. And so I ran against him and then two other people joined the race. Uh, so it was, it was a four man race. That's pretty well then congratulations for winning that first <laughs> off. Um, since he was an appointed incumbent, did he have a lot of um, support from the community or how, how did that work out for him? Um, how do I put this? <laughs> <laughs> so I was out endorsed about three to one, which I was expecting mm-hmm. uh, despite my, my past political work. Um, so it it, 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 it created kind of an awkward situation for a lot of people because they both, they liked him and they liked me. Some liked me more. Um, but because of Black Lives Matter and that movement and the racial makeup of, of the board, uh, you know, it made it difficult, you know, for that to, to that, that, that made it challenging to run against an African-American incumbent. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I could imagine so. Uh, so he, he got a lot of support. He also started running way before I did. 
Uh, I was actually supposed to start earlier, but due to some life events, uh, I didn't. So, uh, and he also outraised me about three to one, but I had a small but mighty team that was out there every weekend for 12 weeks, uh, pounding the pavement, uh, dropping off flyers and door hangers and raising money to send out mailers and put up signs and, you know, the whole everything. So it, it basically put an Insta campaign together in 12 short weeks. Which is amazing. What is the cost <laughs> for something like that? Uh, I raised about $14,000. Oh, incredible. Well, um, congratulations just, on that. Just from my professional and family friend networks. Uh, and then my primary opponent, the incumbents, raised about, oh, how do you think, 27 to 30. Wow. Because he got a lot of labor support. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it, it, at first it was, I was like, oh gosh, I, geez, I'm being outflanked on all these fronts and I don't know what, and I, and we didn't engage with voters face to face with respect to COVID, you know, we, you know, we didn't want to put our team members, uh, and risk their overall safety and well-being as well as, you know, make voters feel uncomfortable. So mm-hmm. we couldn't really gauge where we were, uh, in the race. Uh, and you know, there's no, there's no polls or anything for these kinds of races, is there? No, there's not. It makes it even worse because I'm just like, <laughs> you know, election day. I'm just like, I just, I don't know what's going to happen, and I just want this to be over. <laughs> <laughs> Which I can only imagine. Well, I mean, it seems like you got out there and did exactly what you needed to do, as you have the seat, and somewhat what in the middle of your, in the middle of your campaign, you got you started working for Fresno state or you got appointed to Fresno state, correct? Yes. It, I, I tend to take on really big projects sometimes, you know, <laughs> as inconvenient as they can be sometimes. Uh, yes. I started as the director of operations for uh, associated students Inc, which is essentially the student government at Fresno state. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that was in September. I launched my campaign for office in August. So I was juggling both at the same time. I had a huge learning curve for both. Uh, running for office is not easy. You know, there's a lot yeah. of rules and regulations and, you know, the time that it took, you know, in the evenings, uh, whether it be walking precincts, whether it's be on the phone with constituents or trying to get support, you know, it, it, it like I was up till the small hours of the night and then, you know, I'd wake up and go to work the next day. Uh, and that alone, you know, it's it's a big ship as well. You know, uh, you represent uh, an organization that represents 25,000 students at Fresno State with a $1.2 million budget uh, and oh, incredible. programs and clubs and uh, student activities that you have to monitor and, you know, um, work with the student executives and senators and stuff like that. So... But I enjoy it. It's great. I, I, I've settled in and I, I like the team that we have. Uh, I work with an amazing group of students. I mean, when I was 20, 21, and 22, I was not doing what they were doing. <laughs> Exceptionally <laughs> smart and capable students. And I'm just like, wow, what have I done with my life? <laughs> I know, right? You see these younger people that are so well-informed and so well-adjusted and willing to get out there that it's kind of blows your mind. How is working with the state student government during COVID? I mean, I can't imagine there's a whole lot to do 
It's different, actually. It's kind of eerie being on campus with no one essentially there. It's kind of like one of those apocalyptic movies where like there's just no one there or around when you're just like, please, you know, uh, you're just aching to run into somebody that you might know so that you can have some sort of personal contact and interaction with. Uh, hey, at least you could find parking, though. Yes. <laughs> Not, I'm glad I don't have to fight for that anymore, actually. <laughs> that is very true. It's it's, it's good. No, um, the students that are there, you know, we don't have a lot of stuff going on at the moment because, uh, you know, because of COVID, there's limited student population. So it, it, it just really limits what we can and cannot do. I mean, we do our best to, to do stuff virtually and, you know, do student activities that way and increase engagement and such. But, you know, you can, but students being at home, you know, trying to deal with their personal lives, their academic and their professional lives all in one area and they don't get a break. It's really hard to get them to engage, whether it be online or otherwise. I could imagine. I I mean, there's so many, you see it on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, people being like, oh, I hate being online. I, you know, like the second that they're allowed to log out of class or if they don't have to be there, most of them are offline. So I'm I sure getting the thing they log into is, you know, a student government sponsored event that, you know, regardless yeah. if there's like games or incentives, you know, because we'll give away like gift cards and, you know, uh, you know, wellness baskets or whatever, you know, something to engagement and participation, but it's, it's hard. You know, what a, what a realm to be in, especially between the campaign and taking on that job of it during COVID having to not only learn the learning curve of the actual job, but how that assesses into dealing with the pandemic at the same time. Yes. Uh, Like I said earlier, both were, significant learning curves <laughs> but i had a really good campaign team that, that kept me focused and uh, level-headed uh, there were some days that were just like the bureaucracy that <laughs> i can't imagine i can did you get do you have did any negative blowback come from starting a political campaign for me yeah um not as much as well yes and no so it wasn't entirely what I expected, you know, being the first openly gay male to, you know, win an office is... Which, congratulations on that. I actually was, like, looking up stuff to, and I came across that, and I was like, one, that's insane, because Fresno's county is huge, but also, like, that's a feat, so congratulations on that, because that's pretty amazing. Thank you. Uh, it, it was actually something that really weighed heavily on my mind because I, you know, I put together a great team, and you know, they they supported me one hundred percent and and beyond. But I was really curious as to what was going to come out. You know, how I was going to be attacked if I was going to be attacked. You know, for not just my platform, but you know, I was going to run out and proud. Uh, I wasn't going to hide it. Uh, and it wasn't something that, you know, if we were asked, you know, we would proudly say yes, you know, uh, nothing publicly really came out against me. It was what I heard from like back channels and, you know, stuff like that, which I mean, I've been involved in politics, God, since I was 18. And so, uh, at this point, you know, I'm 34 and I've been called everything in the you know, in the book and been accused, been accused of everything as well. So, I mean, if you can say something or call me something that I haven't heard already, then you know, <laughs> yeah. I'll buy you a drink. 
Yeah, right. And honestly, it's a feat in its own to run out and proud, which thank you for doing that because representation does matter in every sector. And it's really cool that you're getting to do that, especially in education, because I feel like education is a really, um, is a place where the LGBTQIA alphabet, um, really needs to be more represented. I feel like a lot of gay kids do drop out or find that they schooling isn't for them. And I think it has to do a lot with the people that are put in front of them, whether it be teachers or advisors or anything that kind of, I just had that conversation with the superintendent a couple of weeks ago about how uh, a greater understanding from from teachers and instructors needs they need to have that and that sensitivity when it comes to students who are you know going through that process of learning what their truth is and coming to terms that that what that's what their truth is going to be mm-hmm. you know and that and, and embrace you know who who they are becoming um and for me you know when i got involved you know i i saw several latinos that were elected and it's great you know we've made incredible strides you know in, in that community but i never i didn't see anyone that you know uh that that was openly living the life that i was coming to terms with and accepting um, you know at that age let alone someone who was out and proud and was an elected official. And so, you know, and uh, I was at City Hall at the time when Prop 8 was going on. So Mayor Autry uh, was having anti-Prop 8 rallies uh, literally at the place that I worked. And I was like, like, well, gosh, do I have a future in this field? And if I do, what's it going to look like? And how how am I going to adjust to it? Because, you know, I... And that wasn't that long ago. Uh, but no, can't. I was even, I was at the meet at the middle rally when that was taking place. So it's not that long ago. Like uh, made significant progress since then, you know, and I applaud you how the, the work and the advocacy and, and the people that have brought us this far. But, you know, I was terrified, you know, wondering like what I was going to, if I was going to be able to even, you know, continue participating in politics. Um, but here we are. Uh, I and I followed, you know, like Steve Hansen, who was the open, the first openly gay uh, male to win a city council race in Sacramento, and obviously San Francisco has been well ahead of that curve. Uh, of course, Todd Gloria in San Diego became, you know, the the first uh, openly gay mayor of San Diego and the, uh, of any large city in America. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, it, it's. It's, I would, I just kept waiting, like, when is it going to be our turn? You know, when or when is Fresno going to do this? Exactly. And it wasn't think- the reason why I ran. Uh, honestly, it, it, it really had nothing to do with it. It evolved into that. Uh, and not that I was going to, like I said earlier, like, not that I was going to hide it or, you know, uh, you know, step away from it. I just, people, I, I People just knew they're like, oh my gosh, you're 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 LGBTQ. And so I'm like, yes, I am. And it just kind of snowballed from there. And of course. 
became a central tenant. <laughs> I, I feel like that's always going to be a case. I mean, you see it even like with Mayor Pete, whether people like him or hate him, he he had a platform that he was trying to push and run for. And being gay wasn't part of that. It was just who he is. And it's still no matter what was going to be part of it. And then at some point you either have to choose, am I going to take that reign and run with it? Or am I going to let it? Not, that's what I did. You know, I'm just like... Yeah. It, it, it's it's a part of me, but I'm not I'm not running as the gay candidate. Exactly. My launch video, I mean, I wore like a, a, a rainbow bracelet that you know was a subtle homage to it. You know, just to, if people noticed it, great. Uh, if they didn't, you know, watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> but that's great. So you've taken on being the trustee for your for your area. What is what is your plan? What are why did you why did you run for one and two? What's your plan moving forward? Why did I run? So uh, it kind of goes back to what I said earlier. You know, I wanted to see. I, I've always advocated, you know, to young people, you know, be the change that you wish to see. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you don't see it, then fix it. And what I used to tell my former interns, who I now call friends. Uh, and from Senator Harris's office, you know, it, it's, you know, because everybody, you know, when I was growing up and becoming a young professional, everybody wanted to leave Fresno, you know, the brain drain is what they called it, you know, they yeah. wanted to die or San Francisco or San Diego or New York or wherever else. And, you know, yes, they are, the, you know, San Francisco and LA, they're all exciting and, you know, that there's that draw there. But, you know, I, you know, I said, if you really want to stand out and make a difference before you go, you know, try and find something here that you can latch on to, that you can make a difference in, you know, and, and find a solution to one of our problems, you know, because over there, wherever you end up, like there's a, at least a hundred other people like you fighting for the same position, you know, working on the same projects. And here in the Central Valley, you know, we have a blank slate, you know, you get you get to be the, you get to have that opportunity to be the person to write that chapter to you know solve that issue and be like oh wow i did that and then you and you know go head to head and compete with people you know who are in much bigger ponds and be like well that's great you have this degree and you know you intern for this but i solved this and if i could do that there just think what i can do here exactly and i think that's great cuz i see it a lot as somebody who's moved a lot and come constantly come back to Fresno. I've lived in LA. I've lived in San Diego. I've lived in Las Vegas and watching what can happen in those communities. And yeah, you want to go and create and be there because they're larger entities, but when there's already people growing up there that have the same dreams as you, there's tons of other people moving there because they have the same dreams as you. And especially in a place like Fresno, which is primed to explode any any moment well i mean it already is it's such a huge community already and it's only growing it's a huge city um anything that you could dream of doing in a big city you can do here but you get to be on the ground floor of it and that's kind of why i love being here and that's kind of why i'm here now so you also get to be a leader and have a much bigger platform and voice exactly yeah access that you get here comparatively speaking to other you know, metropolitan areas that are much larger uh, is shorter. The pipeline to power is is shorter, you know, and I, I mean, you know, before COVID, you know, you can go into the tower district and run into, you know, I don't know, an elected representative, you know, and sit down and have a beer with them. You know, the likelihood of that happening in Los Angeles, 
you know, probably not much. Not at all. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, for me, uh, you know, I, like I said earlier, I was just tired of watching every other city do something like this. And, you know, with Fresno's, I guess, renaissance in terms of arts and culture and, you know, finally figuring out what's, what its identity is instead of having others define it for it, yeah. you know, um, really just sparked something in me like, well, why not? Um, and for me, you know, I, I grew up as an only child and came from a single parent low income family household with my mother. Uh, and I didn't have, like, she didn't go beyond the sixth grade and my dad barely graduated from high school. Oh, wow. For me to even just go to city college for them was like, great. He's, he's going to make it, you know, he's, yeah. Even if he just stays there for, you know, <laughs> yeah. he's going to be fine. Um, but my mom honestly did not know. Uh, she wanted, she wanted me to go to college but she did not know or have the resources to get me there. And so um, fortunately there were some people who took me under their wing and got me involved in some programs like Upper Ground and AVID and TRIO programs at, at, at City that really guided and were instrumental in helping me navigate the, my college experience. Because uh, without it, I probably would have slipped through the cracks and I wouldn't be here with you today. Uh, at least not in this capacity. Yeah, which is great because I see so many students slip through the cracks because they get to City College or any higher learning institution, even in high school. They don't, there's no, there's not a whole lot of like paths, people shepherding the path in which to go, which we need more of. Um, and, you know, it, it's not just the students, it's the families too, because a lot of them, you know, are first generation college students like myself. And, you know, they're, the will of the family is there for them to go on and get a higher education, but the access and knowledge of resources that are available just isn't there. I mean, yeah. um, and that could be really scary, which is for, for family members and prospective students. Mm-hmm. And so I, I took it upon myself, you know, as I, I told my team, you know, uh, I, I am doing this because I want to be the person that I wish I had when I was younger. That's great. Um, be that whether it's whether people follow me, whether I can advocate for something, use my platform and voice for, uh, you know, a greater cause. You know, uh, that that's what I want to do because um, it's not about me. It, it really is just about us. And, and I don't say it's my win or it's my seat. You know, you know, when I uh, was happy that we could announce that we won, I said this this win was ours. Um, and so you know, it's. And the third thing that, that prompted me to run is that uh, I lost my mother about a year ago. Uh, and I lost my grandmother six months later on Mother's Day. Oh, wow. And so that was pretty much a crushing blow to everything that I had known uh, and my roles as it was. And so uh, my mother always believed in me, even when I didn't at times. And when she passed, you know, my world just stopped. Mm-hmm. I really didn't. It was just a blur. Like, I, I don't remember much. During that time, um, I was surrounded by a great group of people. But, you know, when you have a close relationship with the parents and you lose them and you were once a team in a unit, you know, and that is not gone. 
uh, being an only child, you know, I was the one that were, I was the one responsible for facilitating everything. You know, I had to sign all the documents. I had to be there in the hospital and, you know, um, be the anchor and the linchpin to keep the family together as well as her friends. And then, you know, make sure that they were okay. And then, you know, you know, I had my own time afterwards to, you know, fall apart. <laughs> and so, um, it just, uh, it's, it's something that she would have wanted me to do. And she would have not wanted me to just lay around and mope and cry and be depressed. Uh, she would have told me literally just to get off my ass and go do it. Cause this is what you've always wanted to do. And, uh, if she, if she were here, she uh, she would have been right there next to me. She was my biggest champion and advocate, uh, and so I, I did it in large part because of her. Um, it was in her name, and uh, there's no person I'd rather dedicate the launch of however far my political career goes uh, to such a strong and amazing woman who can raise a son <laughs> and both be and be both mother and father. Uh, because uh, that's just what she had to do. Oh, damn it, James. <laughs> <laughs> that's inc- that is beautiful. And to do that in her name and win is makes it all that much more special. So, oh, son of a bitch. Okay. Um. <laughs> that was, that was, that was, I mean, other than. Other than um, the day she passed uh, and the funeral and giving her eulogy, winning was bittersweet. I, I, I imagine. was excited that we did it. We pulled it off. I was so proud of my team. I was so proud of everyone that, that supported me, that reached out, that, that, was, that stood by me through thick and thin, regardless of what they heard or um, what people said about me, you know, because... It, you really put yourself out there when you do this uh, and your, oh, yeah. whether it's your professional, personal life or family life or whatever it is, it's going to come out and you just got to be ready for it. Um, but the hardest thing uh, on election night was that she, she wasn't there. And that's that hurt. And I, and I know that she'd be incredibly proud. Don't get me wrong. It's just of course. Kind of, life-defining transformative moments where like ah, I, I, the person you want to turn to and hug oh, isn't there and not there you know you can't, you can't but oh man well that's it's insane what a great story and journey that you did take the win and you get to forever know that you she would be proud of you and that's amazing i to take were you planning on running before all of that had happened? No. <laughs> I I had been approached because she passed in September of 2019. Um, actually, a week before my birthday, to be honest. Oh, um, Jesus. I know. Oh. It made it even worse. So, um, she, so that was September 19. 2020 came along and I was approached in March by a few people. They're like, you know, uh, would you consider doing this? Uh, you're pretty much the only person who can, who can pull this off. 
Okay. Don't even worry about it. It's all good. <laughs> uh, you know, our, this this would be huge for the community. You know, for for young people in general. Uh, and I had thought about it. I contemplated. I'm like, give me like a month and a half to think about it. You know, I I'm really not in a headspace uh, or emotionally uh, able to process this. You know, because the passing of my mother was still fresh. Yeah, extremely raw. Uh, and then Mother's Day hits, and uh, my grandmother, who we had been having lunch with every week, you know, to help each other through the passing. Um, you know, she just learned how to text, which was super cute and funny. And we would go back and forth. And for a couple of days, she didn't answer my texts. And so uh, Saturday, the, the days that we would get together and lunch and talk. Uh, I called and she didn't answer. And so I got a call from one of my aunts saying that she was admitted to the hospital and that the prognosis didn't look great. So um, I kind of forgot <laughs> that I was even approached to, to even consider it. Mm-hmm. And just because the proximity of both life events were were just too close and just too, too much to handle. Um, so I, I just, I, I don't, I honestly can just, it was probably the most, the darkest and most difficult parts of my life thus far. Uh, and I, I've gone through a lot growing up and, you know, professionally climbing the ladder, you know, without having a lot of role models to, to, you know, look up to and mentor or, you know, be mentored by. And so, um, you know, when, when my grandmother passed of all days on Mother's Day, uh, it just, whatever wound was remotely beginning to heal uh, was just ripped open, ripped open again. And I, I could not really focus on anything else. I can imagine that's, and this happened during COVID? So was she? Yeah, during COVID. Wow, so you couldn't even, could you even be at the hospital with her or anything? We, the whole family came um, to the hospital and we were allowed to to see her one by one. Uh, but I I didn't have the capacity to, uh, to do that. Because I couldn't bring myself to walk down another hall of an ICU and see the same situation again. Because uh, she was intubated and she was on life support. And I, it just brought back too many uh, raw feelings that I was still trying to reconcile and, and, of course. and resolve myself. And so I, um, I opted not to uh, go see her when she passed. Which, which is all you can do when in that situation. I just, yeah, just making your way there, which is everyone processes processes in their own way, and I can only imagine going through that twice and so close together. What it must be like, especially with such prominent figures, your role models in your life that. Yeah, you know, attributes. Um, like a lot of people ask me, like, where do you get your drive? Like, where where does this all come from? Yeah, where does it come from? 
And honestly, it's 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 my mother and my grandmother. You know, my grandmother worked literally to almost the day she died, uh, and my mom just was relentless in you know terms of never giving up. You know, and she always dared me to dream, and she never she always taught me to never back down. You know, uh, and I didn't. And she, like I said, she was my biggest champion and advocate. Uh, and she didn't allow me to become too complacent or lazy or comfortable. You know, she kept pushing me. And, you know, there were times where, like, I just didn't want to do it. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm, I'm tired. I don't want to do this. Exactly. As kids are. Uh, yes, as as kids are. And so she she literally would just, like, you know, get up and, you know, go wash the dishes or, you know, go walk the dog or, you know, you're going to help me, you know, uh, go get groceries or, you know, which I, 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 now that I'm an adult and, you know, on my own, you know, I, I value all those life lessons that she instilled in me. Of course. Now, now you have to do it for yourself. So it makes it that much easier to do it. No, uh, no it, it's because of it's, I get it from her and, you know, she, uh, she didn't have the best upbringing and she certainly, uh, wasn't able to accomplish a lot of what she wanted. So, uh, you know, when I, you know, went to Fresno State, you know, that was like a big thing for her because she's like, oh my gosh, my son's going to college, you know, but like a big university. Yeah, which is something to be proud of. And it's so incredible that she got to see you do that and push you, like be there as your champion to and, and you know, like she'd be the first person I'd call to be like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, why did they accept me? You know, and then have mental breakdowns with her. And I was just like, you know, I don't know if I can do this. And she would comfort me and coddle me. But then, you know, she would, you know, kick me in the butt and be like, get back up and go out, go back out there. And she's like, you know, take the punches, take the falls. But, you know, if anything, if you're going to be my son, you're going to get back up and you're going to keep trying um, so go out and go do it. It's not that she wasn't sympathetic. She just like, I know that you have more in you and, and that you're more than this. So, you know, she's like, who cares if somebody said something mean about you? You know, <laughs> they're going to say, it is like you want to get in politics. You know, they're going to do that all the time. So, <laughs> uh, well, it's so good. I'm glad that you, I mean, it's amazing to have those role models and it's amazing that those role models pushed you to be where you are today. And now that you've, got your first big win what's next what is your what is your plan with your seat so um the seat is actually very limited in scope in terms of what it can and cannot do mm-hmm. what, so, what okay, for what is the like defining factors of like what your that job entails <laughs> so there's pretty much six or seven so you provide an environment where you facilitate and foster learning and growth for students right district-wide or um you know, countywide, whether that's like providing mental health services for uh, students, particularly during COVID. You know, I like to focus on LGBT and trans students as well, simply because, you know, um, they're going through their own respective transitions and coming to terms with something that, you know, is life defining. And, you know, we don't know what their their home life is like. And it's a support there, you know, and, you know, facilitating an environment where they can feel safe, they can speak out, they can express, you know, what's going on. And, you know, if they're questioning or if they have, you know, questions in general about, you know, what 
what this life is going to be for them, you know, and as well as, you know, have faculty and staff that are understanding, you know, what these students are going through and, you know, have some sort of like sensitivity training where, you know, if you see, these are the signs and if you see students, you know, exhibiting these signs or, uh, and such, you know, this is how you can reach out to them. This is how you can approach them. This is how you can speak to them. You know, and, and a lot of a lot of instructors and teachers and staff don't know that. Um, you know, regrettably, you know, being LGBTQ or trans is a foreign concept to a lot of them. Uh, and you know, it, it's our job not just to live our lives by example, but also educate them and enlighten them to uh, to be better, you know, in, in this respect, uh, you know, to these students. So, um, but on top of that, you know, uh, the board sets the salary for the county superintendent who is also independently elected from the board. And that kind of differs uh, from a, a typical school board School board, because usually like with Fresno Unified, the only school district that I cover in, in, in the urban area is you have, you know, seven school board members who hire and appoint the superintendent. You know, yeah. my, on my board, you know, the superintendent is independently elected. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then uh, we approve uh, the superintendent's budgets, or we help develop the budget with him uh, that, you know, allocates money and funds to certain programs, you know, whether it be vocational, educational, or vocational. Uh, programs, you know, uh, as well as uh, what else, uh, student support service programs, um, you know, and things like that, where, you know, it's, you know, where the students need extra tutoring resources or uh, nurses on campus or uh, technology upgrades or such things like that. You know, um, or cradle to career pipeline programs where you identify students uh, at a young age and determine or ascertain what they want to do and then place them on a path in order to, uh, you know, uh, take the necessary coursework so that when they go to City College or when they get to Fresno State or when they go to a vocational school, they, they, they are equipped and have the credentials and credits in order for them to uh, get accepted and succeed in, in those programs. Uh, so you have to have a pretty good knowledge of your constituents and what goes on in your communities in order to like really gauge those things, I'm assuming. Right. Um, and you know, we also uh, oversee appeals on student interdistrict transfers. Uh, we oversee uh, appeals on student expulsions, which really aren't happening at the moment because school is in session. Uh, and then we also consider charter school petitions. Um, okay. So, you know, for instance, if a charter school is chartered with Fresno Unified and Fresno Unified, you know, denies uh, their recharter application, then they would that that school or educational entity would come to us, and then we would have the final say on that. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's a good amount of power, and I'm sure it keeps you guys busy. <laughs> To, it does. I, I got my first board packet a couple of weeks ago and I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. took me back to grad school. I'm like, this is a lot of reading. Yeah. And especially are, th- are there like s- certain programs or circumstances you guys were working on because of like the pandemic and COVID? 
Yes. Uh, so uh, it, it has a lot to do with making sure that students are supported at home. You know, that they have the technological resources that, you know, they have internet capabilities, you know, because, uh, you know, I know, you know, myself and others probably take it for granted that I come home and I could just, you know, I, I have internet access, you know, because we live in an urban center. But, you know, in a lot of the rural areas of the county, you know, you don't even have dial-up sometimes. Yeah. You know, that, uh, you know, as, as difficult as it is for online distance learning to be implemented, it's even more difficult to implement it when the students and households in which they're in don't have the technological resources to even participate in it. And so, you know, it's things like that that we have to consider. And then you also have to consider the, the inequities that go along with it. You know, can some families can't afford internet, you know, uh, mm-hmm. sometimes even if you reduce their bill to like $10, you know, there are a lot of families where $10 is the only thing they have left in their bank account until they get paid next. Um, and then, you know, also trying to monitor student success, you know, while they're participating in online distance learning, you know, you have family households that are multi-generational and it's hard for students to concentrate. They don't have a specific space they can do their work in. Mm-hmm. Or they come from a single parent family household where, you know, the parent works, you know, one or two jobs and they can't monitor their students' Uh, academic progress throughout the day, you know, and, you know, be with them and help them. Or you have dual parent households where, you know, both parents work, you know, so there's a lot of stuff you have to take in consideration when, when uh, you think about online distance learning and granted, you know, COVID-19 isn't going anywhere anytime soon, no. um, regrettably, but, you know, <laughs> things that you have to think about and uh, it, a lot of, a lot of this, Right as I was running, was just barely being discussed. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. I mean, that's been, I guess that makes sense. It seems like the districts are doing their best, I would say, to try and figure it out. But you've, it's been what, a full semester now that kids have been at home learning, distance learning. Yeah. Oh, wow. And um, have you guys seen, are you guys working? Do you feel like improvements are being made rapidly enough to accommodate? Yes, I do. I mean, we're doing the best we can under the circumstances. You know, uh, a lot more students have uh, have been given the technology that is needed to participate, uh, you know, in this alternative learning environment, uh, as well as, you know, um, uh, there are uh, programs within the districts, you know, to, to provide internet access so that students can participate as well, you know, and, and do their online courses and such. Uh, I, I think now what I hear most is, you know, do, do, or do we require students to show themselves when they're, uh, you know, participating in class, you know, because a lot of them don't feel comfortable doing so simply because, you know, they're, uh, their home environments or wherever they're living, you know, they, they don't want that exposed. Uh, so there's an experience that come with that as well, you know, where students, you know, or marginalized disadvantaged communities uh, may not want to show where exactly their whole class where they live, you know? Yeah. Which is terrible. And it's, it's insane. I mean, we think about 
school be, is such a, and for so many kids, school is like, oh, I have to go to school. But for so many, it is this place of escape, this place of um, um, stability where there is, where there is food, where there is a structured schedule, where there is the, the things in which you need provided for you. And it's so And I think a, a, a mass majority of community takes that for granted and don't realize I, I see so many people complain about distance learning or like the ways in which it happens and there's still so many disadvantaged people that are having such a hard time and i feel like there's a lot of a lot of people that have already been lost through the cracks within the last what six months that school has gone on yeah uh and i mean you also have to take into consideration you know uh, special needs students, you know, deaf and hard of hearing, you know, disabled students, you know, how do you teach them, you know, an online course? You know? And so there's all those obstacles that you have to take in consideration uh, when doing this. And, you know, granted, we don't have any other choice uh, and we have to make it work, but it doesn't come without its, you know, respective challenges. Um, and so, uh, Which is, well, I, yeah, that was actually something that totally slipped my mind was the, the, special needs students, the ones that go to class and actually have trained people that are there to make sure that they're in a calm environment, can calm them down, know how to react to their outburst if they if they have those kinds of needs. And some of these kids, you know, that their parents put them there because they need to go to work. What who's who's watching these kids in those times? And what a time to come into that situation and be like, all right, well now I have to make these decisions and figure out how we're going to do this. So Yes, but you know, I, I'm glad that we have a seat at the table. I'm glad that we can bring a new perspective, um, not just from a Latino point of view, but also, you know, uh, the issues that come along with uh, being LGBTQIA. You know, uh, I've spoken with the superintendent, and he's like, uh, he's he's told me, you know, I, I really want to start incorporating a lot of that into a lot of the programs that we have, and so I'm going to be calling you. Uh, and picking your, your brain about, you know, we're, we're thinking about this, you know, what's an LGBTQ perspective that, that we may not have considered or, you know, what can we, how can we integrate something like that into this program? And so the fact that one, there, these people, superintendents are asking those questions is great and amazing but to have somebody there to have like somebody that is at the table saying i can answer those questions which i mean we don't always want to have to be the face of the movement but like it's really great that there is somebody there that can offer that perspective because for so long obviously there has not been right and you know if like i've told my team you know if if it's not going to be you then who else is it going to be you know i mean yeah we're just going to be sitting around waiting for someone to do it. Uh, and so that's, you know, don't get me wrong. Running for office is, is incredibly terrifying and daunting because it's a huge endeavor. Uh, there are, you know, running for office and actually being an office are two entirely different concepts. <laughs> <laughs> like buying books and reading them. I can, like, I can totally see that. Two totally different things. Buy the book. You have this idea how it's going to go. You know, you're anxious to open it. And then when you actually get, you know, take a deep dive into it, you're like, Whoa, you know. So first of all, you have to win, you know, if you want to have your voice uh, and a seat at the table. And, you know, it, that's, that's the first part. And then you have to help govern. Uh, you know, I work with four other board members. Uh, I have to, if I want anything changed or I want to propose something, 
you know, I have to take in consideration that I have to get the support of the superintendent, but I also have to count to three, you know, myself and two others uh, to form a board majority to pass something. And so even though, you know, the board is nonpartisan, there are ideological differences between a lot of us. Uh, and But you have to learn to work together with them in order to accomplish what your agenda is. Because uh, you need them as much as they need you. Exactly. How has that been going so far? Is your current board that you're working with, are you, do you feel pushback? Are you happy? Are you happy with your teammates? Not, I would say. We had one meeting with, with the board that was just seated. So, you know, we'll see. It's a four year term. So I'm sure that oh, well. uh, something will come up. Um, I expect it to be cordial and respectful, regardless of what our difference of opinion is, if, if there are any. You know, um, you know, Jim, the superintendent, Jim, you know, he's a great guy. You know, he is very accommodating. Him and I had several conversations. You know, we bonded fairly early on uh, after November 3rd. You know, he lost his mother at a young age. So he, mm-hmm. he exactly how it is. And so uh, you know, that's, that creates a foundation for us. Not necessarily the foundation I would have preferred. <laughs> But, you know, there's having common connections with people is the way that human bonds are made. So at least there is that there. And I mean, it sucks that that's it. But I mean, you know, having that be a reason you guys are on each other's side is not a bad thing to be. Yeah. And I, I really want to, you know, use this as a vehicle and mechanism to, first of all, you know, uh, uh, raise the profile of the office because it, 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 it doesn't get a lot of attention. And a lot of people, you know, uh, like you asked, you don't know exactly what you do. <laughs> yeah. Which I feel like a lot of people don't, but I mean, people are still, people are still, when they vote, they're still going to mark the box because they're going to see it. And if they know that they know somebody or know kind of something about somebody, but to actually know what it is you guys do and how involved your guys' jobs are, most people don't. And so it's, it's I got a lot of that. They're like, I have no idea what this office does, but because I know your name and I, I know you, you know, I, I know what it is now. And I'm like, great. I, you're the, that's how you educate people. Exactly. Um, but no, I, I, I want to use this as a vehicle and mechanism to not only be a voice for our community, uh, and, you know, give us that seat at the table that, that we should have had years ago, um, and, you know, advocate on behalf of our causes, uh, whatever those may be. And, you know, but also, you know, bring to light, uh, you know, who we are as a community that, you know, that, you know, that it, our time, you know, is now, you know, uh, it, 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 it's, it's important that our perspective and our voices are heard, you know, at these decision-making tables, because it's not just with the County Board of Ed, it's, you know, collaborating with other elected officials, you know, uh, with, you know, state senators and council members and, you know, board of supervisors. And, you know, uh, one of the biggest surprises throughout the campaign that, that really touched me was that we got the attention of the Victory Fund. Oh, wow. Um, with our launch video. And so, uh, you know, uh, a DC contact called me and, you know, said, Hey, you, you know, you missed the deadline to apply. Uh, but we just want you to know that you're on our radar. And I'm like, Holy crap. You know, like I, <laughs> I, I didn't expect that. And yeah, it's wonderful. Uh, the access that, that, that is available, you know, to where, 
you could bring things back to your community and implement them or work together collaboratively with someone else, you know, to ensure that, uh, you know, we have that representation or that point of view is, is, is heard is extremely important. Um, and, you know, I, I, you know, like I, I want to work closely with Annalisa Perea, you know, um, you know, who's also a member of ours, you know, and see what we can do to, uh, you know, raise the profile of our community as well. Um, Which is great. I love hearing that. So I, I'm assuming, is this a, is this a position that you want to keep longer than one? Is there term caps? I'm assuming there's not. Can you no, continue? You can. County offices, there aren't any term limits. So you could, you could, is this a position you want to continue to keep on or do you want to run other areas? Is this jumping the gun? I had a dollar every time somebody asked me that. Way. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, honestly, um, I'm happy and excited that that uh, our team won. I'm happy to be, you know, an advocate and champion for our community on the board. I want to see where it goes. Uh, I just started, so uh, <laughs> uh, I want to get my feet wet and you know see what what change I can do here, uh, and then take it from there. You know, I, I really haven't thought that far ahead. Uh, I, I, uh, I need to figure out what, what, what I can get done here and, you know, figure out what mechanisms and leverage I can, I can use to, you know, advocate the best of my ability for students as well as our community on this board and, you know, with other electeds and community members. That's great. And that's great to hear. And a totally diplomatic answer. <laughs> I can't ask for any more than that. <laughs> Um, okay, we should wrap up. It's been way longer than I thought it would, but you're a great conversationalist. So thank you for that. Um, I do one more question. Politics, let's, a few minutes on how you got to where you are, because I know that you've worked with our very own president, vice president-elect Kamala Harris. So, <laughs> Madam Vice President. <laughs> yes. So talk a little bit about it. Uh, my time in that office or like how I just... How what one? How you got into politics, and how you made your way there? Actually, I got into politics by accident, uh, <laughs> as one does. You know, life gives you a hand, and you know you just work with it. I really actually never expected it to to turn into a career, let alone be as as long as it has been. Um, so I was a senior at Fresno High School, and I there was some sort of leadership committee that, that met and we brought the, the city, count, city council member at the time, as well as some de- city department heads to look into installing a streetlight on McKinley and Weldon or Echo by Fresno. Okay. Uh, Cause there's like an nth student fatality uh, and McKinley is a major throwaway. Uh, yeah. and, you know, I don't even know if there's a stop sign there. But, you know, traffic just wouldn't stop for students who were crossing that crosswalk, uh, let alone the one on Weldon and Palm. And, you know, students spoke up and, you know, we had a great relationship with our principal, Bob Reyes. And he brought, you know, the council member and some department heads. We had a lunch meeting and uh, he really took to heart and took interest in what, what we had to say about it. And so... 
uh, he ended up giving us, you know, his business cards and I just emailed and said, thank you for coming and listening to us. You know, really appreciate it. We know you're extremely busy. Uh, and we ended up opening a dialogue and the summer after I graduated, I ended up interning for him. Uh, and I had never really worked in an office before. I didn't know how to answer a phone. I didn't know how to, you know, send a uh, fax, let alone file anything. You know, I had no professional office experience whatsoever. So it was a huge learning curve. And what I thought at the time was the hardest thing I'll ever do. <laughs> <laughs> of course. You know, as you naturally do, because, you know. Um, so then uh, I start my first semester at City College, uh, which, again, was I thought was the hardest thing I'm going to do at the time academically. Uh, boy, was I wrong. <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah, because you've gone not only to graduate school, but you've gone on to go to, you have, what are the degrees you have? I just have a master's. Um, a master's. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. I just have a master's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, oh, sure. I mean, that, you know, no, just I, a master's. I, I <laughs> a doctorate degree, too. And I'm like, yeah, I, if I get asked that question all the time. I'm like, I barely survived, you know, getting my master's. Uh, but I, I, they ended up hiring me. Uh, I'm going to staff her. So I ended up finishing out a second term and I ended up, uh, helping his successor uh, for a year. And then I took some time off to finish my undergraduate degree at State and then um, worked for Starbucks for a bit, which, you know, anybody who's worked there. Worked there. As one does. <laughs> We've all worked there. Thrilling <laughs> it can be at times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Everyone has a Starbucks story. I feel like every gay man as well as like, you know. Oh, I could write a book about some of my experiences, which I'm sure if we all banded together, it would be a number one bestseller on. Oh, you know. God. I can only imagine. But yes. So I ended up um, uh, in doing a few more internships after that uh, in an assembly member's office. And I ended up running into the state director for Senator Boxer, uh, who was local, uh, who worked in the federal courthouse. And uh, he was really close with the council member that I initially worked for. And he just asked if, you know, what are you up to? What are you, why aren't you involved? What are you working in? And I'm like, I really want to get back into the game. I just don't know how, I don't know any positions are open. So he gave me his business card, which at the time I was like, holy crap, I, this is huge. Uh, also mortifying and terrifying at the same time. Cause it's like this, you know, I, 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 you know, growing up in the, the household that I did, you know, I didn't really associate with lawyers or doctors or, you know, politicians or, you know, these big influential people who knew words that were far bigger than I would ever know at the time. Of yeah. <laughs> course. Oh, so then uh, he, I ended up interviewing three times and ended up working in, in that office uh, for about two and a half years. And then she was re retired. So then I decided to go to grad school, uh, got accepted to USC, uh, fast-tracked through that in about two years, and that was fun. Like two years? Oh, my God, yeah. I didn't take summers off, so I, I, I just sprinted right through it. And again, at the time, I thought it was the most difficult thing I'd ever do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I worked with some incredible students, had some amazing instructors, learned a lot about myself, learned a lot about academic academia and what I was capable of uh, working with, you know, groups, you know, four or five at a time, 
sometimes working with two groups of five simultaneously uh, in two different classes on completely different projects. Uh, so yeah, uh, that, that was an experience. And so then uh, finished that, graduated, uh, one of the proudest moments, you know, watching, having my mom watch her son walk down, uh, who did that diploma, you know, uh, she, her and my dad probably would have never dreamed uh, that I would end up being the son that they had because, you know, I, working at Starbucks, they're like, great, he has a career path, he's going to be a star manager, you know, and we'll be fine, you know. <laughs> yeah, he has a stolid job, way to go. Yeah. Uh, and not that there's anything wrong with that whatsoever. No, not at all, not at all. Uh, but to them, it was like, you know, like my dad tells me all the time, he's like, you really turned out, you know, so proud of you, you know, I would have not expected to ever have a son that would do half the things that you did or are doing and he doesn't understand a lot of it which is which is fine i have to explain a lot to him uh, but he's like whatever it is that you're doing know that i'm proud of you um, <laughs> i mean what more could you ask for really i mean well yeah i i i, I you know i i love him a lot uh you know, we weren't always super super close uh, uh but after i came out to him and then with mom passing you know we're, we're closer now uh and you know he's really you know all that i got and you know, I, I, you know, he doesn't live in the United States. He lives in France with my stepmom and in Europe. And so I don't, okay. you know, have an opportunity to, you know, go visit him or talk to him whenever you know I'd like. Uh, but just to know that he's there is even more important to me because, you know, I don't, I don't have a lot. So, uh, but to cap it out, I um, ended up. I was approached by Senator Harris's office and they asked if I wanted to come back. And I said, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> I knew what I was getting myself into and I'm like, that's going to be a lot of work. And yeah. it's not that I wasn't interested in. I just, because I'd worked in the Senate before, um, uh, I knew that, you know, it, 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 being a staffer it, it is, is not necessarily what you see on TV. It's like a mix between the West Wing, Veep, Parks and Recreation. <laughs> Veep, I love that. Right? You know, more like Veep, to be honest. And you're just like, oh, gosh. And, and I, I watch that over and over again and just relate to it so much. So, um, and I knew, I, I had a feeling that, you know, Harris was going to make the jump and, and run. Which, you know, I was super ecstatic for and <clears throat> was so proud that I could be a part of that. Uh, you worked you worked on her presidential campaign? No, I worked on the official side. So I worked for her Senate office. Oh, okay, okay. They're two different entities. Yeah. Um, and so, but I mean, we also, we got the, the overflow of the campaign, you know, because people will call our office wanting to... You know, make a donation or make a comment or, you know, ask about what her endorsements are, what her policy positions are. And I'm like, well, you have to call the campaign for that because we can't answer those questions. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, coming, being the scrawny, linky Mexican kid that it's, you know, I, I was when I was a kid, when I was younger, uh, for me, it's been a remarkable journey, uh, but it hasn't come without its bumps and bruises and my fair share of failures, whether it be personal, professional, or otherwise. Uh, you know, it, it's it's come at a sacrifice, and but I, I wouldn't trade it for anything else. You know, I, I love what I do. 
Uh, I'm very passionate about it. And, you know, I really just have a heart for our general and overall community, you know, and I've always, Fresno has always had a special place for me because it's the one place that gave me a chance. And had I grown up anywhere else, I probably wouldn't have made it this far, um, given my background and, you know, the struggles that I had to go through, you know, academically and professionally. So, um, like I said earlier, if I could make, you know, that path easier for someone else than it was for me, then I would have accomplished something. Yeah. And what a beautiful reason to do what you're doing. And thank you. And we appreciate your service to the community. Um, I, at least I hope most people do. Um, but hearing your story and seeing not only how you've persevered and what you've accomplished, not only makes me feel inadequate, but also... Positive, <laughs> <laughs> inspired, and empowered. Yeah. No, it really, it, it really does, actually, to, to see what you've been doing. And especially because you're one of my few friends that are actually... Po- involved in politics not politically involved but involved in politics and it's so cool to see how much you care about the community and which parts of the community you're really rallying for because it matters and it matters now more than ever and to really see that we are i think this community fresno itself gets a lot of crap for being uber conservative and a little bit trashy and not and i don't actually think that is our community. I think it is actually a lot stronger than that and a lot more diverse than that um, and has been for a long time. But now that we're starting to seep into the the chairs and the positions that actually make change and facilitate the things that allow that to, to flourish is great. And I, I think we have our fair share of problems, just like every major metropolitan area. You know, L.A. certainly has, you know, they, you know, have, uh, you know, I... I when I was considering running, you know, regardless of you know my personal losses, you know, I reached out to Steve Hansen and a couple openly gay council members in the Bay Area and Todd Gloria's office and campaign and, you know, picked their brains. Uh, you know, and Tony Atkins, the, the Senate pro temp, you know, uh, just to, you know, like not just understand what I was getting myself into, but also what their experiences were and what I just to prepare myself to what I was getting into, because obviously Fresno is traditionally, you know, conservative. And, you know, I there were some messages that came across or things that I've heard that were said about me. And, you know, I mean, you have to have a thick skin to be in this game. Uh, yeah. and, you know, it, it, it didn't bother me. I, I just wished that we could be better you know, as a community and, you know, that in 2020 and 2021, we would be beyond that. Uh, But, you know, obviously we still have a ways to go and I'm hoping with this next administration and, you know, the new dawn that's, that's on the horizon, uh, not just locally, but nationally as well, you know, that will begin to change. I agreed 100%. And I think, most people rely on the national level to really guide that. And I feel like we need to put more focus on the local level because it, it, that's where you have the most impact. That's exactly, that's where you facilitate and implement the most effective change. Uh, Because granted, you know, um, I mean, working in Senator Harris's office, 
you know, we fought for a lot of stuff. We, we, we tried to, you know, pass bills and, you know, get funding for this and, you know, advocate for that. Uh, but, you know, the Senate and the makeup that it is and, you know, Mitch McConnell, you know, the, the troll that he is, <laughs> you only, you're, you're very limited in, in terms of what you can and cannot do. And I always tell young people, you know, like, one, you know, running for elected office isn't the only vehicle or mechanism you can do or participate in and use to facilitate change in your community. You can, you know, do that in multiple other ways. Um, but if that's the if that's the vehicle you choose, then, you know, start locally. Start at a school board level or start, you know, at a city council level or a water district for one, you know, in a rural community because, you know, you get to help you know, families who you know, may not be able to afford water rates and readjust it or find resources for them or work with state officials to clean up their water system or provide new water facilities, you know, just as an example. Uh, and that has, that, those really have more of an impact, uh, a, a more tangible impact that people can see and feel. And, you know, when they get to meet their local elected representatives, you know, because uh, we are human, you know, we do go out, you know, we do, we do participate in society. We're not infallible either, you know, we make our fair share of mistakes. Uh, but, you know, for them to see that and be like, oh, wow, you're one of us. And, and as we should, you know, we just happen to be, you know, a voice on a board that, you know, advocates on their behalf. And that's so worthy. And I'm glad that you're one of those voices because I think, I mean, it's needed and it's appreciated. Um, and I'm looking forward to see what you do because you have the passion, you have the drive. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's going to be really great. And I'm excited to get past COVID to see what you can do oh, that's without like, those. That's one of the biggest things about this is like, I, I, I feel so limited and I want to do all these things and, you know, be out there in the community and, you know, meet people and talk to them and listen to them. But you know, what's this COVID thing? What uh, I'm, it, you're just really limited in, in terms of what you can and cannot do because of it, and it sucks. It really does. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you got something from this interview. I can't wait to share more with you. There are so many great stories coming your way. Stay tuned. Spread love. Stay informed. See you next time.